What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 203 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to get right to it because the biggest story of the offseason finally is coming to a close. We know where Deshaun Watson is going. He has been traded to the Cleveland Browns. He has been extended five years, $230 million fully guaranteed, the most guaranteed money to a quarterback ever. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy around this story. What are your initial thoughts on Deshaun Watson to Cleveland? Yeah, I think the Browns felt like they had to make this move and get the upgrade over Baker. I don't think Baker is a bad quarterback, but I don't think he has the same ceiling that Deshaun Watson has. And I think Deshaun Watson immediately makes this team an AFC contender. He will probably get suspended for at least four games. So the Browns are going to have to figure out what they're going to do for the first month or two months of the season, but he should be able to play in 2022 after that. And it's and then it's wheels up for the Browns offense. So I think it was a, a pretty great move. Obviously, you know, that's only just in terms of, of fantasy and football. Yeah, great, great move for them, in my opinion. If you can get a franchise quarterback that's 26 years old, that has, you know, a 4,800-yard season under his belt, last time we saw him, 30-plus passing touchdowns on one of the worst teams in the NFL, I think you go out and you get him. They they certainly went out and got him. Three first-round picks, the biggest contract of all time to a quarterback. From a fantasy perspective, right now on underdog, he's going as the QB 14. I don't think that that is fully adjusted. Obviously, this news just broke. So there's, you know, we got to give a little bit of time for ADP adjustments. I, I would expect him to, you know, finish somewhere towards the back end of QB one in terms of drafting, um, you know, somewhere between the 11 to 13 range, at least early until we get some clarity on the suspension. I mean, you said four games. That seems light to me. I, I could see it being closer to like the six to eight range. Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere in between four to eight. I, I don't know how much they're going to factor into him not playing in 2021. So, you know, he missed 17 games, but that was just because he held out pretty much, which obviously could play a part in his potential suspension. And then there's always the possibility that he doesn't get suspended at all, which I mean, I think we both agree is unlikely, but it could definitely happen. And let's say hypothetically Watson does not get suspended in 2022, QB 14 is an absolute bargain for one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know how much higher I would have him. I think if he were playing a full season, I'm looking at the quarterbacks going ahead of him right now. I mean, he's probably like QB seven or eight, maybe, you know, around that Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott tier, probably take him above Rogers at this point, as we'll get into soon Stafford for sure. But you know, I'm still going Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Jackson, Kyler, Burrow, like all those guys safely ahead of Deshaun Watson. If Watson plays 17 games, yeah, no, nah, you're out of your goddamn mind. If How? You're, if you're if you're taking Dak and Joe Burrow and Russ over Watson, like the last time we saw Watson, he was the QB five in points per game in 2020, only behind the top tier guys. You yeah, know, he averaged twenty three points. Be in that same spot, probably right behind the top yeah. tier guys. Yeah, which would put him around five. You know, he averaged twenty three points per game in twenty twenty. This year, Stafford averaged twenty. Joe Burrow averaged twenty. Dak Prescott averaged nineteen. 
Kirk Cousins averaged 19 points per game. So I think he's going to be safely ahead of those guys if he plays all 17 games. Obviously, we both think he's going to be suspended, which is obviously impacting his ADP because I think that's the assumption just around the fantasy community. So you can't take a player as a top five quarterback if he's going to miss a month, a month and a half, two months of the NFL season. You, you just can't do it um, in best ball. But if you could guarantee me right now that he's playing 17 games, he's my QB five or six. Well, let, let's stop even speculating that because I think that there's a close to 0% chance that he plays 17 games. There's just too much negative press around this. The NFL is going to have to save face in some ways. You know, being... I mean, if, if they wanted to save face, he wouldn't be playing. Let's be real. Come on. If they actually cared about this situation, he would not even be in the NFL right now. But they have to pretend to care, right? (laughs) They don't have to do anything. It's the NFL. They have shown in the past that they don't care about these types of situations, which is fucked up, right? Okay. But if they actually really cared and wanted to save face, they would not let a man with 22 sexual assault accusations even near the league. That's just my take. If on he it. were a lesser player, of course, but this is a franchise elevator. And ultimately, yeah. they only care about the product. And they on the want field. him on the field. Of course. But they also so. want to be able to play both sides and be like, well, you, we punished him. What do you want us to do? You know, we suspended him for half a season. I mean, is, isn't he not a candidate for like the, what is it, the commissioner's list? I feel like he's a candidate for that. I mean, the, the NFL has been investigating, I think, for a while now, from, from what I read. But I, I think that at the end of the day, like I said, we we both probably agree he is going to be suspended. I don't think he's going to get eight games. I think at most it's six, just because he is a top-tier quarterback in the NFL. I think we can both agree on that, and the NFL product will be better for the Browns if Watson is playing quarterback for them. So I, I think that the most likely scenario is he gets four to six games, then he'll probably appeal and get his suspension reduced, is my guess on this whole situation. But I I think there's probably like a 25% chance that he doesn't get suspended at all. And, and they weigh in that he didn't play last year and view that as, you know, quote unquote, his suspension year. I, I think that's more of a possibility than you're giving it personally. Man, God, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think so, but I guess it wouldn't be shocking. You know, it, that should be the I'm lesson not, learned. Like I said, it's shocking. not likely 20. I, I give it like a 20% chance of happening. I, like I said, it's more likely that he does get suspended. I mean, if if you even think there's a 25% chance, you should be up in these best ball streets scooping up as much Watson as you can get. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I will be doing that either way, just because from this whole situation, people are going to let their personal feelings affect their drafting, because mm-hmm. that's just how humans are. You know, I agree. He's obviously a scumbag. But in terms of fantasy football, and if you're trying to win money, like you're gonna take the value on Watson. It's just Absolutely. that simple. Yeah. He's he's one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league. He's shown it with bad Texans teams. He has an elite ceiling and elite rushing upside. You know, last time we saw him he had four hundred plus rushing yards on the ground, three touchdowns. He had what, like seven rushing touchdowns in twenty nineteen. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're playing without your feelings, you're you're taking the value every single time. Seems like there's value all around this team right now. You know, Amari Cooper, who the Browns also recently added, is going as the wide receiver twenty two. I could definitely see him jumping up quite a bit. I I would look at him sort of as a back end wide receiver one with Watson there. 
Right now, they don't have anybody else. It's just, you know, DPJ and Anthony Schwartz outside of Cooper. I, I think both of us are sort of expecting Will Fuller to follow his former quarterback and, and sign with the Browns. I think that makes a ton of sense for this team, especially with all the vacated targets after they cut bait with Jarvis Landry. But I, I think they need to make some moves because outside of Cooper, there's really nothing in terms of pass catchers on this team at the moment. Yeah, they're definitely going to make a move at wide receiver after releasing Jarvis Landry. So I think they should and most likely will go out and sign Will Fuller to reunite with Deshaun Watson. And then they have Cooper, obviously. They have David Njoku. They have Harrison Bryant. They obviously have Nick Chubb in the backfield. They have Kareem Hunt, who is solid out of the backfield in terms of pass catching. So I think there is plenty of weapons for Watson to succeed. You know, he succeeded with less. And now he's going to a team that has a pretty solid defense. You know, they're not great, but they're not bad. They have a great O-line, a pretty good head coach by all means in Stefanski, and a good run game. So I think this situation just all around is the best situation that Watson has been in in his career. And I think that's just going to produce fantasy points, even though he might not have as elite of skill position guys as some other quarterbacks do in the league. Antonio Brown wants to come to Cleveland now, too. What do you think about that? A.B.? They they, they might as well go all in and and get all the character flaw guys. They could become like the Thanos of the NFL, you know, get all the villains. You got Watson, you got Hunt, get A.B. That's like three Infinity Stones right there. Yeah. They, they might as well, honestly. Get A.B., get Will Fuller, run that as your three wide receiver set with Najoku and Bryant as your tight ends and Chubb and Hunt as your RBs and a great O-line. That'd be disgusting. It, w- it would be disgusting on multiple levels. Um, yeah. <laughs> AFC North updated odds has the Browns as the favorite, plus 155 to win the division. Do you think that's an overreaction? I personally do. I mean, they've got the Ravens second, the Bengals, you know, coming off of a Super Bowl appearance as third favorites to win the division. That seems a little bit off to me at plus 240. I think if I were going to make any of those bets, I would be taking the Bengals. Yeah, I think the Bengals should be a little bit higher coming off of a nice Super Bowl run last season, but I do think they have the third best quarterback in the division in Joe Burrow behind Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Uh, So you can make the case that that's kind of the reason why they are third. Obviously, plus 230, that's not a long shot by any means. Like They're right in the thick of it in terms of odds. And obviously, they're going to be a good team. But they also did run incredibly hot. And they they had, you know, some outlier performances against them to get there. You mm-hmm. know, Mahomes just having an epic collapse. And then they got the Raiders and the Titans, two of the worst AFC playoff teams, right? So they ran incredibly hot to even be in the Super Bowl. And the division is only getting tougher. So I think it makes sense that they're third. But... If I was making the odds, I would have them at least second, personally. All right. I think that about covers the Deshaun Watson saga. Obviously, this is a story we'll be keeping an eye on, see who else signs with Cleveland, You know, see what happens with the suspension. It's going to be a big story, I think, for the next couple of months. It kind of overshadowed another massive story in the NFL, something I honestly didn't see coming at all. And that is the trade of Devontae Adams from Green Bay to the Las Vegas Raiders. Green Bay acquires a first and second round pick for their former star wide receiver. Adams gets paid like he's wanted to $141 million, an average of $28 million per year. And this is just shocking to me. You know, after Green Bay 
drops the bag to get Aaron Rodgers back in the building. They ship off his number one option, his boy, Devontae Adams, and leaves him with nothing, absolutely nothing in terms of receiving core in Green Bay. Adams, reportedly, it's just been a lifelong dream of his to, to play for the team that he grew up loving and the, and the Raiders to reunite with his college quarterback and Derek Carr. What are your thoughts on this move and, and how does it impact Adams as a fantasy asset? I think that it's a pretty solid move for both sides getting multiple first round picks for a receiver that doesn't want to play for your team anymore and he's 29 years old I think that's a win for the Packers and for the Raiders I think getting one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in his prime to help Derek Carr especially in one of the toughest divisions that I've ever seen in my entire life I think it's a win for the Raiders in terms of fantasy in 2022. Obviously, I think Devontae Adams takes a hit. He's going to be contending with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller for targets. The situation isn't as good as it would have been in Green Bay for this year. So I think deservedly so, his ADP should take a hit. I I just don't know how to honestly project Devontae Adams because we obviously haven't seen him in a different offense. And the the main question that I have is, will the volume be there? And for me, I don't, I, I don't know if it will. I don't, I don't but, think the same level of, I don't think the same level of volume will be there. Like, I don't think that we can reliably bank on 10 plus targets, 12 plus targets, like on a weekly basis, like we did. I also don't think the quality of targets are going to be there either. I don't know if the red zone efficiency is going to be there the way that it was with Aaron Rodgers. I think he takes a big hit, to be honest. I mean, it's marginal. He's still a top 10 wide receiver from a fantasy perspective. I don't think he's anywhere near wide receiver three where he is currently slated on underdog. I think that that is going to drop. I would take Cup, Chase, Jefferson, Tyreek. I would take Stefan Diggs ahead of him with the targets consolidating in Buffalo. I would probably even take CeeDee Lamb ahead of him if things don't change with the current target distribution in Dallas. Um, I don't know. I think he's more of a back-end wide receiver one at this point. I expect the touchdowns to come down. And you said that you like this move for both teams. I kind of feel the opposite. I think that this is a questionable move for both teams. You know, you frame it from the Raiders getting a wide receiver in their prime, but they gave up two premium picks to get this guy. And they're still clear cut the fourth best team in that division. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're selling out, but the most important part of the equation is that they still have Derek Carr, which makes them non-competitive in a division that has, you know, Mahomes, Wilson, and Herbert. So I don't love that. And then from the Green Bay perspective, they just dropped $150 million on Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to be throwing to, right now, like Alan Lazard. And and a report came out today that they're really interested now in, uh, re- in bringing MVS back. Like, oh good, Alan Lazard and MVS on the outside. So they just spent all this money on Rodgers trying to run it back at following the MVP season, and they stripped him of the player that really gave them a chance to be dominant on offense. I, I, I don't know about any of this. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's some cons to, to both sides. I think Rodgers is good enough that losing Devontae Adams isn't going to impact the win-loss column that much, especially if they can replace him with, let's say, a Julio Jones and a rookie wide receiver in let's say Chris Olave or Traylon Burks or, or one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So I think the loss of Adams could definitely be mitigated. And for the Raiders, obviously they have the fourth best quarterback in the division and they're the fourth best team, but draft picks aren't 
guaranteed to hit. We've obviously seen that with the Raiders' abysmal drafting. I think giving up those two picks for the best wide receiver in the NFL and Devontae Adams, it's a good move for me personally. Draft picks aren't a guarantee. You need to keep up with the teams in your division, and this is one way to keep up. And we, we've seen it before. The Raiders can beat these teams, like even with Herbert and Mahomes. They beat the Chiefs last year, I believe, right? So I think that Derek Carr is a is a pretty solid quarterback, and I think that Devontae Adams will only help him. They'll have Darren Waller healthy now, who was not healthy for the majority of 2021. So they have some pieces to work with in that Raiders offense, and I'm curious to see if this boosts Derek Carr's ADP at all. Yeah, Carr right now, his ADP is QB 17, which sounds about right to me. I mean, he's going just behind Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins. That sounds about right, and he's going just just above guys like Trevor, Ryan Tannehill, and Tua. So uh, that sounds about exactly right, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think QB 17 is probably a good spot for him. Derek Carr was a QB 1 in 2021. He finished as the QB 12. He still only averaged 15 points. And even with Devontae Adams, I think Devontae Adams is probably like a 3 or 4 point guy, which would still put him in, in the you know back end QB 1 territory and that's with complete optimism right yeah yeah I think QB 17 sounds about right for Derek Carr all right another big piece of free agency shockingly I think this one was Allen Robinson choosing to go to the LA Rams you know the Rams doing everything they can to run it back they give Robinson 46 and a half million dollars 30 million of which is guaranteed over the next three years and currently you know at this very moment their wide receiver core is absolutely loaded with Cooper Cup Allen Robinson and Robert Woods arguably or inarguably the best trio in the league although the reports are that with this addition of Allen Robinson they could be in the market to move Robert Woods via trade. Yeah, I think it's a good pickup for the Rams, and this will definitely be A-Rob's best situation as a player yet in his career. So I'm definitely in on the A-Rob bounce back 2022 campaign for Mm -hmm. sure. In terms of Robert Woods and whether or not they will trade him, I think they could trade him, and I wouldn't fault them for going that route, especially because he is like 29 years old. So he is kind of older at least he's somewhere around late 20s in terms of age and he's coming off of a torn ACL so if you can get like a a second or third round pick for Robert Woods I think you do it but also the Rams could recognize that wide receiver arguably is you know a top three position in, in terms of importance in the NFL and having depth at it is definitely important because you see like Robert Woods and OBJ OBJ can tear their ACL in the same season and then you're left with Van Jefferson and you know Ben Scourneck or however you say it <laughs> as your wide receiver two and wide receiver three maybe it's just a, a good depth signing and they and they run these three guys out there that's what I would do if I was Sean McVay but maybe a trade is on the table I, I think for the right price you trade them but if not you just run those three guys and call it a day and have one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, how much does this impact Cooper Cup, if at all? I mean, Cup is clearly still going as the wide receiver one. I don't expect it to necessarily impact things, but Allen Robinson has at points been an accomplished touchdown scorer. Could it, you know, contribute to regression in terms of Cooper Cup as the wide receiver one in fantasy? I think as it stands right now, obviously adding more 
good competition to the offense hurts. But from last season, there's just no indication that Cooper Cup isn't going to continue to have monster usage, right? We all thought the regression would come during the season. He had a hot start. We're like, oh, he can't keep on having a 35% target share and 15 targets every game and 100 plus yards. Well, he did every fucking game, right? Mm -hmm. No cup, no cash. That was the motto of 2021. I think that wide receiver one, obviously his ceiling. And do I think he's going to be the wide receiver one again? No, I don't. Just because You know, year over year, it's really hard for a player to replicate that same success that they had in the prior year. And, you know, the the last person to do it was was A.B., and he kind of had the same usage that Cup has. So so maybe it happens again, but I I think Cup does take a little hit, but he's still a top three fantasy receiver in the league as it stands. Yep, and I mean, I think this also solidifies Stafford. Um, I mean, he's going as QB 10. I think that there's room for him to move up ahead of guys like Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, etc. But um, definitely a, a QB one going forward. This only boosts his stock. In other wide receiver news, Juju Smith-Schuster has made his decision. I think we all kind of saw this one coming. He goes to the Kansas City Chiefs on a one-year deal, ten million dollars, nearly eleven. Seems like a good fit. I, I mean, it's a spot where Juju doesn't have to have the pressure of being a primary option. He's very clearly the third option behind. Kelsey and Hill. It's a good year. It's a good one year prove it deal. You know, he wants to sort of reinvigorate his career and what better spot to do it than with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously the best possible spot for Juju. This is a move that he should have made last year and that we were all expecting him to make last year, but he decided to go back to Pittsburgh. He made the right decision going to a team like you said perfectly. He doesn't have to have the pressure of being the number one guy because you have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey as the alphas in that offense. But there's definitely plenty of targets to go around. They lost Byron Pringle in free agency. Obviously, McCole Hardman hasn't worked out so far in his career. And then you have, you know, Demarcus Robinson. He's not a factor. Josh Gordon at this point is not a factor. The running backs really aren't a factor in the passing game either. So there, there's a lot of opportunity for Juju in the Kansas City offense. And I I would definitely buy into Juju for this year. I think this could be a great fantasy season for him. We've kind of wish-casted the Chiefs wide receiver, two into fantasy relevance over the year, but I think this is the year where their wide receiver, two actually hits. Yeah, I mean, Juju is definitely a a tier above players like Pringle and Demarcus Robinson, etc., and we sort of saw Pringle earn a role towards the end of last year. If you look at his five final games, including the playoffs, he had seven or more targets in four out of those five games. So he was getting utilized a lot. He had two two touchdown games in that span as well. Finished the season with 60 targets for 42 catches, 568 yards, and five touchdowns. If we're just talking about Juju's projection, I think that he goes over that pretty easily this season. Yeah, I think Juju could definitely get a thousand yards with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback and you know one of the most pass heavy offenses in the NFL he's shown it before obviously it's been a long time since 2018 it's been four years when he had his breakout season right 
and everybody thought he was going to be the next big thing, and he's kind of fallen off since. But I, this is definitely a great spot for him, and I, I'm all in on a Juju bounce back. What what is he in like his fourth or fifth year now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm all in on the fourth year bounce back. I mean, it, it's funny, but he came into the league so young he's still only 25 years old so i mean it's a really good situation for him his current adp on underdog is wide receiver 47 that definitely has not accounted for this move yet like he's going behind guys like you know robert woods rashad bateman chase claypool i think that he's gonna definitely see his adp rise i'll be interested to see where that settles in the coming weeks if i had to guess I think it settles probably somewhere in the wide receiver, like 28 to wide receiver 34 range, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Sort of a higher end wide receiver three. I could see that. Yeah, I think that's going to be where he ultimately moves up in these drafts. and He'll get juiced just because of Patrick Mahomes stacks. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, McCole Hardman got up to like a seventh round, <laughs> seventh round <laughs> pick last year, and Juju is way more talented than McCole Hardman. So I could see him, you know, going in the wide receiver 30 range, probably sixth round, somewhere around there. All right. Uh, another wide receiver signing, Russell Gage, goes to Tampa Bay on a three-year, $30 million deal. This one's a little bit interesting. I mean, Gage sort of seemed like a player who was, you know, just an average guy for large stretches of the early part of his career, really turned up towards the end of last season. And I don't know how much of that was a function of just the lack of targets in Atlanta and, and, you know, him sort of having to step up and be the guy. That's not really the case in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, et cetera. But Godwin is not going to be healthy to start the year. He's, you know, very likely to miss a handful of games at the beginning of the year. And Russell Gage will fit right in. Obviously, Tom Brady is back. So how are you reading this Russell Gage signing from a fantasy perspective? He's going as the wide receiver 67 on underdog right now. Yeah. I mean, wide receiver 67 is a value. I think, Uh I don't think he's obviously a great player, but I also don't believe he's a terrible wide receiver by any means. And the Godwin injury is, you know, just one of the more impactful injuries in terms of fantasy because best case scenario, he's going to be ready in what November, probably mid to late November at best. That's if, you know, everything goes according to plan. So Russell Gage is going to be attached to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL with Brady coming back in one of the pass heaviest offenses in the NFL that does have some questions at the running back position because Leonard Fournette might not even come back like he's been on Twitter's yeah. saying like he's just going with the flow I think he wants to get paid and I think he feels like he deserves to get paid I don't know if the Bucks will give him the money that he wants so we could see the Bucks go even more pass heavy mm-hmm. than what they were in 2021 if they lose Rojo and Fournette I think Russell Gage right now is a value and I think he's going to have value for the first two months two and a half months of the season honestly yeah I, I definitely like Gage uh, this is a great fit for him. One of the best that we. He's going to be Julian Edelman for. for Tom Brady. That's it. Is he that quality of player? I don't know. Does it matter? Probably not. I, I guess it doesn't. Matter. If he's getting seven to eight targets a game, it definitely yeah. will not matter. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm interested. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten Gronk back to Tampa Bay news yet. Yeah, I, I truly don't know why he hasn't signed. Honestly, I mean, they shipped off OJ Howard, which we'll get to shortly, but that took. 
Buffalo out of the out of the race for Gronk, um, which was sort of like the main spot he was getting linked to. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's taking so long. They just got to announce Gronk back to Tampa Bay, but we'll see how that plays out. A little piece of news that we sort of missed, you know, earlier was Mitch Trubisky found a home. Uh, he is going to be the new quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Should very easily start over Mason Rudolph, in my opinion. His ADP right now is QB 26, going behind the likes of Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. And I, I gotta say, I kind of, I kind of like his upside over those guys strictly, of course, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from a fantasy perspective. That's kind of disrespectful that he's behind those guys, honestly. right? I mean, this offense is still loaded with talent. They've they've got Deontay, they've got Najee, they've they've got Fryermuth, Claypool, like Trash Biscuits got a little bit of uh, mobility to his game. God, am I going to be drafting a bunch of Mitch this year? It's starting to sound that way, and it's it's making me a little sick. I mean, I definitely think he's a good flyer at the end of the draft. Obviously, in the super draft contests. His ADP is going to be boosted a little bit just because quarterbacks get boosted in that format. But he's got the tools that you want in a fantasy quarterback, right? He has rushing upside. He has a pretty good arm and he has good weapons with Pittsburgh. And if they could get some more pieces on the O-line, maybe replace James Washington, who went to Dallas. And obviously they're losing Juju as well. Maybe they get another wide receiver. They they still have Najee Harris. They still have a solid defense. I still think they draft a quarterback in this draft. So that's really the only concern with Mitch. And I think that's kind of why his ADP is where it is just because of that uncertainty. But if I had to guess, I do think they draft a quarterback and they have a quarterback competition, but Mitch starts week one and then ends up getting benched like week seven or week eight is, is my prediction. I could see that. I I could definitely see that. Let's talk about the receivers. I mean, Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 18. Chase Claypool is wide receiver 40. I mean, are you buying or selling at at those price tags with this quarterback situation? God. I mean, that's tough. (laughs) Deontay going right around guys like, you know, he's sandwiched between DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin right around Jerry Judy. Like... It's just, will will the volume be there? Because Deontay Johnson has just been the volume wide receiver, right? 10 plus targets a game with Big Ben, and he fit Big Ben's withered skill set perfectly. Now you're bringing in Mitch, who... Not really known for his accuracy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, he's not known for his accuracy. He does have the arm talent to make any throw so he's not going to just be looking to check it down 24 7 and we have seen mitch play aggressive in games as the bear starter so i i don't know i'm probably out on deontay johnson at that price tag and i really have no opinion on chase claypool i mean i probably wouldn't draft much chase claypool from what i'm looking at he's going around guys like robert woods a rob some of the rookies right juju uh, i think i'd rather have all those guys over chase claypool yeah no i i agree Thielen, with that oh, brandon Ayuk. Yeah. yeah i'm I'm taking those guys over claypool in my opinion i definitely I, I would struggle to see the pass volume be there even with big ben withered as he was last year they still let him air it out at a decent rate i mean i feel like with you know bisky there they're gonna probably try and lean heavy into being a 
more ball control team, you know, feed Najee a ton, let the defense win games, not just let Trubisky air it out 40 times a game. So I think the volume for all these guys is is likely to come down. Yeah. I mean, but like I said, I, I expect fully for Trubisky to end up getting benched yeah. sometime this year. I think that that's a, a pretty safe assumption. So this was earlier in the week, and obviously so much has happened. It's it's less of a story now, but still interesting to note what the Jaguars did in free agency. And I mean, they dropped about $100 million to not improve at all on offense. What are your <laughs> thoughts on this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Christian Kirk, four years, up to $84 million. Zay Jones, $24 million. Evan Ingram, $9 million. I think they, you know, pulled a, a 2020 Patriots move mm. and gave bad players big contracts. I mean, Christian Kirk over DJ Chark is a lateral move at best, if not a downgrade. Yeah. Zay Jones, I mean, please, I need somebody to explain <laughs> that to me. I don't know what he does for this team that, you know, like Visca or Marvin Jones wasn't already doing. And Evan Ingram is just another slot player, like just like Kirk and Jones. So what are we doing? Like they've got like four <laughs> slot receivers now. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to surround your your rookie quarterback with as much talent as possible, mm-hmm. but these guys aren't that ta- aren't that <laughs> talented. And Doug Peterson, who is the new head coach of the Jaguars, was the the Eagles head coach, right? And he ran the offense with you know Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard so maybe they go that route with Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold in two tight end sets like you said the move for Kirk is lateral at best you know they let DJ Chark walk sign Kirk whatever that's yeah that's kind of a wash to me Zay Jones obviously an overpay Visca could be traded I I think he does get traded Mm -hmm. eventually but I saw I saw a uh, article somebody said that people this could be a rumor that people in the Jaguars front office <laughs> they don't believe Laviska's an nfl player <laughs> did you see that what does that mean they dogged him they basically said he's not good enough to be in the nfl damn i didn't see that yeah but i mean yeah i mean Laviska hasn't produced shit so whatever that's neither here nor there just wanted to bring that up that was funny but yeah the, these moves i mean for fantasy it's not inspiring at all to me personally. No, I it doesn't really do much for the excitement level I had around, you know, Trevor Lawrence bounce back. I still expect some of the talent that we saw from Trevor to, you know, continue to de- to develop. I guess it's not a bad thing like Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram are objectively, you know, good pieces to an offense, but he just still doesn't have, you know, like an alpha. You know, he's just got a bunch of number two guys and Kirk and Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, if he stays, Zay Jones. Like, it's just not inspiring at all. So we'll have to see how that goes. But it it kind of slows my excitement down on buying back into the Trevor Lawrence bounce back. Yeah, I think if if you're buying into it, you're really just talking yourself into believing that Doug Peterson is like a complete upgrade over Urban Meyer, which is, I mean, definitely true. But how much of an upgrade is really the question that you have to ask yourself in terms of uh, the Jaguars fantasy upside and in my opinion, I don't think it'll be that much. This is still one of the worst teams in the NFL, in my opinion. One of the worst ran teams in the NFL. I will not be convincing myself once again to buy into bad teams and 
just in terms of fantasy, that is one thing that I'm going to focus on for this year is not talking myself into bad players and bad teams just because the situation might be beneficial. And when I say might, I mean like might. Yeah. And and, and last year I, I convinced myself to, you know, go heavy on the fields and Trevor Lawrence and, and Trey Lance and look how that worked out. So I will not be making that mistake once mm-hmm. again. Always good to learn from our mistakes. Part of the fallout of this was obviously that the Jags opted not to re-sign DJ Chark. Chark finds himself in a one-year $10 million deal with the Lions, who it's just a quarterback problem because outside of Jared Goff, this team has some interesting pieces on offense. I think DJ Chark is a, a very good bounce back candidate. They've obviously got Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. I mean, is the talent going to be enough to make this offense interesting or is this just another situation where we maybe don't want to talk ourselves into anything yeah I definitely think it's the latter unless they decide to go with a quarterback in the draft like Malik Willis at two which by all accounts could happen but is unlikely according to mock drafts and DJ Chark obviously I think he's a talented player but he hasn't really produced in a couple years now so can't really bank on him being a usable fantasy asset, especially with Jared Goff, who's just one of the worst deep passers in the NFL. And we we kind of think of DJ Chark as a deep threat, right? So not too in on DJ Chark, but the the Lions do have pieces on offense. Really, they on offense, they are a quarterback away and, and maybe another wide receiver. They have talent everywhere mm-hmm. with Swift, Hawkinson, Chark, St. Brown. They, they, they got pieces on offense, so I, I definitely think they are a quarterback away from at least being a very competent offense. Yeah, well, we'll see whether or not that quarterback comes this year or next, and if it pans out, knowing the Lions, it surely won't, so I'm not going to get my hopes up there. Um <laughs> Buffalo Bills, man, they're uh, they're going all out. They signed Von Miller to a monster deal, which is interesting in their hopes for a Super Bowl run. But from a fantasy perspective, they've made some other interesting moves. They cut Cole Beasley. They re-signed Isaiah McKenzie, which I think is really interesting. They brought in OJ Howard, which is a questionable move following the breakout of Dawson Knox. But all in all, with Beasley gone, with Sanders gone, and the additions of McKenzie and Howard... I don't know. I think this is pretty interesting for the Bills. It sets up really well for a three wide receiver set of Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and McKenzie in the slot. Two tight ends that are capable pass catchers and Howard and Knox, and maybe a little bit more of a consolidated target share for for this Bills offense. Yeah, I mean, without Sanders and without Beasley there, the targets definitely get consolidated around Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, in my opinion, and then you got uh, McKenzie and OJ Howard as kind of the guys who are going to come in and probably get three to four targets a game, you know, at best. So this definitely helps Stephon Diggs a lot. I I think he's a top five fantasy wide receiver. Once again, I'd be willing to draft him, you know, late first, early second. Gabe Davis, obviously everybody's in on on the Gabe Davis breakout 2022 season. Yeah. And I think you're going to be the conductor of that train. So I'll let you. uh, Absolutely. I'll let you keep on sucking him off. I won't say much about him, but he's probably going to have a good year. And yeah, the, these moves just, I think for for us fantasy players, it makes it a lot easier to target these guys and we'll know where the targets are going, which is really what we want to know as fantasy players. I mean, Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver 
32. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, where's, I, where should he be going? Top 24. <laughs> well, what, are you, what are you talking about? I mean, All there right. were stretches down the playoff run that he was the wide receiver one on this team. I mean, where does the breakout stop? Does he surpass Stefan Diggs? I don't know. I think everything is in the realm of possibility here with, with a player like Gabe. <laughs> uh, God, I can't wait to hear about this the whole offseason. Oh, yeah. And the season, too, as as uh, it will eventually be proven right. One of the other things that the Bills did was try and sign J.D. McKissick, and he was like, nah, um, thank you. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to maybe play with Josh Allen, but I'm going to opt out. I'm going to go back. I'm going to play with Carson Wentz. So interesting uh, choice there by McKissick. But, you know, it was fun to see Twitter. All the Antonio Gibson truthers just, they they had like 24 hours of joy and it, w- it was ripped yeah. from their hearts. McKissick, God. Ultimate troll job. That's just wild, honestly. I have no words. <laughs> and, and then did you see uh, the Bills GM just basically come out and talk shit about the commanders? Yeah. For- yeah, <laughs> for for you know, still talking to McKissick after they agreed on a deal. That's mm-hmm. pretty funny, but yeah, I mean, there's been reports that have said that they want to use Antonio Gibson more in the passing game. Either way, and we kind of saw that towards the end of last season. Granted, JD McKissick did have that you know neck or head injury that kind of held him out a couple of games. Uh, where Antonio Gibson started to feast in the passing game. But from all reports, like I said, they, they want to get him more involved in the passing game. With McKissick re-signing and Carson Wentz at quarterback, I think it's going to be a very similar situation to last year. You have Antonio Gibson on a solid offense with an average quarterback, and he's competing with one of the better pass-catching backs in the NFL for pass-down work. I think I'm going to be out on AG in 2022. I'm not making that mistake once again. Yeah, he's a pretty polarizing player because if he did get that role, it, it would definitely be interesting. His price tag is RB13 right now. He's going at like the top of the third round. And like, Which I, is the I don't start. Hate that. Yeah, exactly. That's the start of the uh, dead zone. Exactly. So it's not that I think it's terrible value. It's just that I don't see myself going running back very often in that spot, if ever. So, yeah. Um, I agree. In, in that spot, I mean, it's way too early, but in, in redraft, I don't think you can go there. <laughs> yeah. We're talking, I'm talking about redraft, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't go there at RB13 with Gibson. No shot. So we totally nailed the uh, Dolphins uh, Mostert thing. You know, we were we were all over that. They also signed Chase Edmonds. And I've got to say, I like both of these deals. You know, they, they got both of these guys for cheap. And that's a pretty dynamic one-two punch at the running back position for Miami with Chase Edmonds and Mostert. I think they both fit the scheme well. And I think they complement each other really well. They didn't have to overpay to get them. And, you know, all in all, solid moves by the Dolphins there. Yeah, I think these are great pickups. Mostert fits that early down in the zone run scheme that that Mike McDaniel is going to run in 2022 as a Kyle Shanahan disciple, right? And this is going to be an offense that is going to use two or three running backs. This, this is going to be the exact offense that we've seen the 49ers run over the last couple of years, where they rotate backs, they go with the hot hand, and it's going to be a bitch to deal with for fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think right now Gaskin is the clear-cut three. I think Edmonds is honestly the one, and Mostert the two, but I could definitely see Mostert having more touches than Chase Edmonds 
this year. Like I said, if he gets that early down spot in this offense, he could definitely have more touches. But from a fantasy perspective, Chase Edmonds is definitely the most intriguing out of the bunch. I agree. I mean, the thing is, is that as far as a number three running back goes, Gaskin is highly capable. So I could see him vulturing some value from Edmonds, especially in the passing game. Obviously, their priority was Edmonds. He was the first to sign. They wanted him. So I, I think that they will ut- utilize him at a decent clip, but it's just going to be extremely hard to navigate with these three guys. I think they're all capable. I think they're all somewhat in the same tier and it, it could be a, you know, a week to week mess. So we'll, we'll have to see maybe, you know, one or two of them gets injured at points and we'll be talking about them as DFS locks, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes as the season progresses. Some of the fallout though, from Chase Edmonds signing this deal with Miami is that James Connor has been left in seemingly a workhorse role for the Cardinals. Right now, he is priced as the RB29 on underdog. And frankly, I I love that value for him. You know, going behind guys like Singletary, Damian Harris, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think that I I would probably take James Conner ahead of all of them. I mean, RB29? Yeah. that is that right? It's correct. As of right now, RB29, ADP 93. I mean, that's just ridiculous, no? I'm shocked by it, to be honest. Going I mean, right obviously, Kenneth I have Walker, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt. I, like, I haven't been the biggest James Conner guy. You no, know, you've been a recently. notorious hater, actually. <laughs> that is true. I have been a hater of James Conner, but there, there's no shot that guys like Dylan and Ceh and Damian Harris and Singletary and Josh Jacobs are going above James Conner right now, right? Like, there's no chance. Josh Jacobs is going a full like forty picks ahead of him. That that is. That is just insane. It is. That that doesn't make any sense to me. I think before this pod, I can tell you, I have not looked at ADP. I haven't done a draft. I would have thought James Conner would be in the top 15. <laughs> I mean, that sounds a lot better than 29 to me. Sounds more accurate. Especially coming off of the year that he had and losing Chase Edmonds, which... Obviously, James Conner still ate with Edmonds there. Didn't really matter. But now you you take away a pass catcher in that offense. James Conner averaged, you know, 16 and a half PPR points last year. Finished as what? The RB8. And he's still in one of the better offenses in the NFL with the Cardinals. And he's going as the RB29, you said? Mm-hmm. What? That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, he's probably the best value right now at the running, at back, the running position. back position. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, maybe ADP hasn't quite adjusted. That's kind of the downside, I think, of us just looking at the numbers and not having been in drafts. I, I do actually plan to hop in a couple drafts today just because I want to see what's going on. on yeah, there. I, I mean, if I'm seeing things like James Conner at 29, I know that, you know, the studies recently have been that the longer you wait, the better you're you know you have at drafting these teams but i mean if we're talking james connor rb29 i need to get some exposure asap yeah i mean that's from the last seven days and we've had the chase edmonds news for almost pretty much that, that same amount of time yeah like five days this is very surprising i don't know why his adp is so low but like you said we haven't been in drafts his adp could realistically be like 
half of what it is so so we could be wrong but as it stands right now from like you said from what we're seeing this is the best value at the running back position is James Conner and he and he has room to climb at that ADP and I would still be buying you know he could hop five six seven of these guys and I would still think he's a good value so yeah interesting there do have a little bit of breaking news as we started recording Cordero Patterson has re-signed with the Atlanta Falcons I'm not seeing any details on this contract yet but we do know the landing spot patterson back in atlanta yeah i mean not the best spot for him obviously broke out last year kind of withered off at the end Mm -hmm. just going to be interested to see how they how they use him will will they use him how they did early in the season in that hybrid role i think they should they don't have the players (laughs) right now will they trade matt ryan that's another question that will probably get answered in the next couple of weeks. Definitely could uh, be a possibility. So as it stands right now, I think I, I really don't have an opinion on him, but he he's probably a value too if we're just talking running backs. Yeah, his ADP right now is RB37 going after pick 100. I mean, I like it, especially just with the target upside because, I mean, right now they have the worst pass-catching core in the NFL. I, I don't know who they have outside of Pitts and like Olamides Zacchaeus, right? Like, do they have anybody? Bro, we could start for the Falcons if they were playing a game tomorrow. No joke. I mean, it, it's it's desperate out there. I mean, if I'm Matt Ryan, you insult me with this Deshaun Watson stuff, and then you don't resign any of my options, and, and Russell Gage, Ridley gets suspended. I'm out. I'm out. I'm trying to get yeah. traded to Seattle or, or something like that. They, they only have pits right now. Yeah. You know, so Kyle Pitts to the moon, obviously if oh. Matt Ryan stays, but yeah, I mean, this is probably the best spot though for Patterson's fantasy value, and he should see an ADP increase uh, with this news coming out. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I guess we can close it out here. We did get some tight end landing spots. Aiden Hurst goes to Cincinnati to replace CJ Uzoma. Uzoma goes to the Jets, who also bring in Conklin, so that's a little bit interesting there. Thought Uzoma might have sort of the tight end one role to himself, but will now be splitting those snaps with Tyler Conklin, and Austin Hooper goes to Tennessee. Which of these landing spots stand out to you the most? Yeah, I think the Hurst to Cincinnati is my favorite. Mm -hmm. That's a little sneaky, under-the-radar signing from the Bengals for a guy that has produced some stats as a pass catcher in this league. It's another weapon for Joe Burrow, and obviously Uzoma left to New York, so... There's opportunity at the tight end position, and he's immediately going to step in and, and be the tight end one. Obviously, he's not going to get a lot of targets with Jamar and T and Joe Mixon there. So I don't see much fantasy value, but I think Hurst could be Uzoma plus right. for 2022 because I do think he is a little bit better than Uzoma. So. I, I think it's a pretty good signing for the Bengals, for real life at least. Um, for fantasy, I think it's still up in the air because you, you got some true alphas in, the, in that offense, and it's going to be hard to take targets away from those guys. Yeah, I, I could definitely see him having sort of similar numbers to Uzoma, about you know 500 yards, maybe five touchdowns if he runs hot. So we'll see. I think it's a good spot. Obviously, out of these tight end landing spots so far, you know, Hurst lands with a good quarterback. OJ Howard lands with a good quarterback in Buffalo. And, you know, it's unfortunate for guys like Uzoma and Conklin, who not only are going to be cannibalizing each other in terms of targets, but they're stuck with Zach Wilson. So I think that they're kind of 
you know, X'd yeah. off my list from a fantasy perspective. Austin Hooper to Tennessee. I mean, I don't hate that, to be honest. They obviously have a need for pass catchers right now. We haven't really talked about it, but Julio Jones got released. So they've got nobody in Hooper in the past when he was successful in fantasy. It was strictly based off volume. And and maybe he could find his way into some pass volume here in Tennessee if if things break right for him. I think Hooper as a late round tight end three in best ball makes a ton of sense. I think with the lack of pass catching options in that Titans offense, you know, barring the draft and free agency still, there's definitely a lot of room for Hooper to succeed in that offense. And there's definitely a lot of targets to go around now. Obviously, this is a run first team with Derrick Henry. And and the offense is going to be centered around Derrick Henry, right? And A.J. Brown, of course. But Hooper, if he catches, you know, eight touchdowns, that that's going to be valuable. And the Titans offense has been efficient over the last two to three years uh, in terms of scoring touchdowns. So I definitely like this spot for Hooper. There's not a lot of competition and the cost isn't going to be high. And this is a guy that can definitely get you nine to 10 fantasy points per week. And really you'll, you'll take that at the tight end position. And I have a feeling that we will be playing Hooper, at least discussing Hooper quite a bit come DFS season. Oh yeah. I mean, week one, Austin Hooper, 2,500 on DraftKings, bro. Uh, He's not going to be 25. He's going to be like 36. 36. I mean, God, I think you're going to be in for a shock. He he might come in at like 29 and he might come in in my cash game lineup in week one. (laughs) He... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's not coming in at twenty nine hundred. He he's still a bigger name tight end. Mm. So I, I think at at worst thirty like thirty two hundred, thirty one, but still a long ways away. Indeed. Indeed it is to be discussing week one DK salaries. Um <laughs> and I mean I that's about it as far as the most impactful. Like there were some more under the radar signings, and we'll talk about those guys as we delve deeper in the coming weeks here. But you know, those are the most impactful signings. So far of the free agency period, we're still waiting on a lot of running back news. You referenced Fournette, Rojo, uh, you know, Rashad Penny hasn't signed yet. Sony Michelle hasn't signed yet. So there's still a lot of running back landing spots to be sorted out. We have the potential Robert Woods trade, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, all these guys still going to find spots. So still stuff to cover. We'll definitely be getting into that in the coming weeks. And, you know, I think that that's going to be it for episode 203 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us or stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast, you can join our free Discord channel. Going to be talking more free agency over the coming week. Start getting into this rookie class. And it's wheels up, man. Podcast going to be pumping out, and I'm looking forward to it. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.